Hey, what's up, fellas? It's your man, Chajendam Chadaya Beer, coming at you right now from the Sons and Servants podcast show. I just want to say big up to all my listeners out there that's listening in right now to this show. Uh, We're going to have an amazing time. You are in for another treat. Uh, We're going to be talking about five man killers that threaten to take men down. Whether you're in church, whether you're outside of the church, it doesn't matter. If you are a man who dwells on this planet that we call Earth, there are some issues that that a lot of us face um, that we are not always willing to talk about. There are some man killers out there that's trying to take men down on, on you know a day to day basis, um, and I believe that this. Um, topic is going to be a blessing to those who are listening in um, all across the world. Um, and if you are a Christian man, if you are a man that is inside, that's inside of the church and that set his heart upon pleasing the Lord, I believe that um, there are demonic forces out there that are definitely trying to take us out that are definitely trying to kill us, kill us. And we have targets on our backs. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, there are men who aren't in, in the church and who don't know God, who, who, who are not serving God, that are also under attack. But I believe that specifically the men of God are, are under uh, an attack that is 10 times worse than a man that doesn't necessarily know and serve God. All right, so we're going to be talking about five man killers that threaten to take men down. And I, 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 I really encourage you guys to um, take your pen and your pad and just begin to jot down some notes. Um, I know uh, <laughs> a lot of us don't like to write and a lot of us don't like to jot down notes, but this here is a podcast for men and it is about men. All right, so um, let's get right into it. Um, and just to let you guys know that I don't just come up with these topics um, on my own, but I believe that God downloads specific topics into my spirit. And then I go out and I go and research whatever topic I'm going to be speaking on. And um, this particular topic is coming from um, the source of the Christian Post website. So I'm going to give a shout out to those who are working hard at the Christian Post. Um, and we're going to get right into our, our topic for today. Um, and, you know, men are um, subject to certain issues and certain challenges um, that that we face. And while the problems of men are simple and easily identifiable, most men um, tend to believe that their problems are unique to just them and, and, and them alone. And um, I believe that. Um, and so um, men usually tend to think that, that they are blazing a trail um, on some type of uncharted mountain of threats and uh, uncharted mountain of of issues and uncharted mountains of challenges that no one has experienced quite like they are experiencing it. But I am here to tell you that this is a lie. So let's just dispel that rumor right now. If, if you are facing a challenge, if you are facing some type of issue, some type of struggle, you're not in it all by yourself. All right. I just want to let you guys know that you are not 
in this thing alone. It, it is an effective lie because it softens the pain of failure with the, with the legendary uniqueness of, of, of the, the personal issues and the personal struggles of men. So in contrast, as we look at um, the biblical apostle Paul, um, Paul said that no temptation has overtaken you uh, such as is common to man. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. So what what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, he's talking about that there, he's talking um, to men and, and to the people of God in general that um, as a reminder that there is nothing that you may be facing. There's no challenge that, that, that you may be struggling with um, that has overtaken you. Um, that is not common to all mankind. Again, you're not in it, you're not in this alone. So I've discovered that that what plagued the the heroes of the Bible, men throughout church history, and the men I know personally in the 21st century uh, America that we live in, are all basically the same. So I'm going to be talking about five. Major man killers that threaten. Notice I, I said threaten. Threaten to take men down. Because we have victory through Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross. So it's not going to take us down. But it, it is threaten, threatening to take us down. Because the word of God says that the weapons are formed against us. But they will not prosper against us. All right. So um, a lot of these man killers are wrecking havoc on, you know, on our churches and they are leaving our families virtually fatherless all around us. Like we talked about um, on an earlier episode um, that we have a, a crisis of fatherlessness in the 21st century American household. So uh, one of the major five man killers that threaten to take to take men down is fear now i know all about fear because i used to deal with fear uh fear of public speaking fear of um heights fear of um taking a stand in my community fear just fear fear is crippling and fear can stop you from getting to the place where god has sent you and so we don't want to deal with fear. We, we don't want to succumb to fear because fear is not of God. The word of God says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and of a sound mind. All right. So they, they are they are constantly harassed by fear. Talking about men because their God is not big enough to deliver them. Most men. Especially men who don't serve God, the, the true and living God that, that most of us serve and the true and living God that most of us, that all of us should serve. Um, a lot of men uh, do not really believe that God is sovereign. So they are constantly obsessing over the threats to their security. A lot of men exist in a constant state of low grade 
discomfort about themselves and what might happen to them. So they are always unhappy fathers, they're unhappy dads, um, and they're discontented husbands. Um, and, and, and men that are dealing and, and suffering and being crippled by fear are lousy leaders and no fun to be around. A lot of men that are dealing with fear, um, in, that are walking in fear, are stuck being outside of the joy that God and, and had sent Jesus Christ to give them. They suck the joy out of the room. They suck the joy out of, out of every person that's around them when they're dealing in fear. And the hearts of their wives and children are being sucked dry of joy when a man is dealing with fear. Listen to this now. Men disarm, uh, we, can, we can disarm this killer with joy and a vision of the sovereignty of God. See, if you don't have a, a vision of who God is, if you don't have some type of joy in simply knowing that your God is greater and your God is bigger than what you, than what you choose to constantly live in fear of, then you can no longer um, be able to disarm the killer called fear. Fear is a killer. Fear will take you out of here. And like we mentioned earlier, fear can suck the joy out of every person in the room when a man is dealing in fear. So rejoice in a God who did not, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things according to Romans chapter 8? Verse 32. See, God gave us all things. He didn't he, he did not even spare his own son, his only son, that we might receive all things. Remember the words of Jesus Christ. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Jesus Christ said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They never toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory. Now we know Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, which today is, in existence and tomorrow it is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. According to Matthew chapter 6 verse 26 through 30. So we don't have to, to worry about anything. Especially if, as men of God. As children of God. We don't have to worry about anything. Jesus asked. How can, can you even add an inch to your height by worrying worrying and 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 living in fear does absolutely nothing for you except cripple you 
and keep you from walking in the promises of God. Now remember, your father in heaven who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you according to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. And remember King David who declared, God is your refuge and strength. See, God is your refuge and your strength. God is your refuge and your strength. Not you, not your, not your, not your money. You know what I'm saying? Not, not anything that you possess. Not your family. But God is your refuge and your strength. Not your employer. God is your refuge and your strength. Not your brother, not your sister, not your aunts, your uncles. No, nobody can be your, your refuge and your strength like God can. And, and David said that he is a very present help in trouble. So why should we walk in fear? Why should we worry? There's no point in it. We got to learn how to know who God is, accept who God is, and take joy in knowing that we have a God who, who's constantly um, walking with us, who's constantly dwelling inside of us, who's constantly um, delivering us from trouble, who's constantly being our refuge and our strength. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, according to Psalms verse chapter, verse, um, verses 1 and 2. Of chapter 46. Now so fear is a. Is one of the main. Five man killers. That threaten to take men down. And number two. Is one that we can all identify with. Maybe at, at some point of our lives. Lust. They are overtaken by lust. Because they have refused to starve the dragon of lust. Instead, they feed the dragon enough tidbits to keep him alive and always waiting in the wings. Now, whatever you now, whatever you feed is what will take dominance over your life. If you feed the flesh, guess what? Flesh is going to dominate, dominate your life. Flesh, the flesh is going to dominate your decision making. Flesh is going to dominate you. But if you, on, a, on the other hand, f learn to feed your spirit, then guess what? Your spirit is going to, the spirit of God is going to um, direct your life. He's going to direct your path. He's going to um, allow you to make sound, wise decisions in your day-to-day -day walk with Jesus Christ. So whatever you feed is what, whatever is going to dominate your life. So this kind of man struggles with pornography, I raise my hand on that. I'm keeping it 100 with you. Y'all my brothers. I used to struggle with pornography addiction. One of my um, aspirations as a young man was to become a porn star. Because I saw the, the amount of fun that these guys were having. They got to sleep with various women of various body types. And various uh, sexual attributes and abilities. And I wanted that for a time. But glory be to God. I am free and I'm delivered from pornography uh, addiction. Porn porn pornography abuse. And, and being 
um, just trapped and ensnared by my flesh and what the, the, the hunger of my flesh commanded of me. And a lot of men struggle with pornography because he has not had the resolve to deprive his eyes and ears of impure things. A lot of men that struggle with lust watch movies that aren't that bad, quote unquote, and listen to songs that aren't that good, quote unquote. And as a result, the dragon is strong and ready to devour. The fires of lustful passion are always smoldering, ready ready to burn and burst into flames at any time. So when you are a slave to the flesh, when you where you when you are a slave to lust, see, I can talk from this point of view because I am qualified because I have been delivered from that type of struggle. When we are constantly feeding our flesh, fleshly desires, we run the risk of having our households divided. We are running the risk of not being intimate with our wives. We are running the risk of having that same generational curse and that struggle passed down to our children. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, fellas. We got to learn how to seek God. We got to learn how to pray, pray God, pray to God, pray that God will send um, leaders into our lives that will help break that spirit off of us. Because otherwise it will cripple you. It, it, it will cripple your relationships, your romantic relationships. It will cripple them because you begin to hold your spouse or your significant other, your wife to these um unrealistic expectations in the bedroom see and and when we are drawn by lustful passions into pornography and porn addiction we fail to realize because of the blinders that the enemy has placed on our eyes we fail to realize that those individuals are merely acting and that is not reality Okay, so we got to learn how to differentiate what's real and authentic from what's fake and impure. All right. So the fires of lustful passion are always smoldering. Is 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 all you may defeat it for a season. I had some times where. I will not uh, watch pornography for a season and think that, you know, hey, everything's okay. I got this under control. Um, I've defeated this thing. I've overcome this thing. But only for a season because after that season is up, that, that, that smoldering fire begins to burst into a flame that I hey hey I have to go and sneak somewhere to look at porn. I have to look at these strangers have sex with each other because I have to get off because that that season of you know not engaging and masturbating and watching pornography 
that season is going to end if you're not truly delivered and set free through the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's only, it's only for a season. It's only for a, a, a limited time only. Because as, as I said earlier, that is only uh, just for a time. You know, you think that you've overcome it, but in reality, you haven't overcome it. Because once you once you get your rocks off and you get satisfied, then what? Once you get satisfied, you're 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 satisfied for a time, but when that flesh begins to rise up all over again, then there you go, looking for the same pornography. Looking, looking for the same material on whether it be on your laptop or your your cell phone. You're looking for it because it has to be satisfied because you're feeding that dragon. All right, and that and and when it's time for that dragon to eat, guess what? You're gonna you're gonna feed it. All right, so men usually neutralize this man killer. By starving him into impotence. That's the only way we can neutralize this man killer. We got to starve it. We got to starve that urge. We got to starve that flesh. We got to tame that dragon. We got to kill that dragon. By starving him. Trust the word of God and take action. If your right eye causes you to sin. Come on somebody. Pluck it out and cast it from you. According to Matthew's. Chapter 5 verses 27 through 30. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18. Flee from sexual immorality. We got to flee from this stuff. We got we to gotta, we gotta separate ourselves from this stuff. We got to starve our flesh. We got to kill our flesh. We got to beat our flesh daily into, un, into submission to the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And finally, brethren, come on. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just. Come on, somebody. Whatever things are pure. The word of God says, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, guess what? According to Philippians 4 and 8, meditate on these things. We got to meditate on these things. We got to meditate on the things of God. We got to meditate on the word of God. We got to meditate. We got to get the word of God in our hearts. So that dragon of lust will become powerless. Because that dragon of lust is not more powerful than the word of God, than the spirit of God. See, we got to douse that flame. That fire breathing dragon. We got to douse him. We got to douse that flame. With the spirit of God. With the Holy Spirit. We got to render him powerless. Because God has already given us the power. And authority. Over every vile and wicked thing. So we got to meditate on these things. Those things that are true. Those things that are noble. Those things that are just. Those things that are pure. Those things that are lovely. Whatever things are of a good report. And if there is any virtue in anything praiseworthy. We got to meditate on them. According to the word of God. This is, these, these aren't my words. This is coming out of the word of God. 
Remember the words of Solomon in Proverbs chapter 5 verse 8. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said, do not go near the door of her house. Do not go near the door of lust. Because if you go near that door, there will be death crouching, waiting to pounce on you and devour you. Victory over lust is not just simply staying out of bed with a harlot, staying out of bed with a jump off, a jump off staying out of bed with a thought. You got to deprive yourself from thoughts of even, of even going to her house in the first place. You got to starve that thought life of, of lust. You got to starve that, that hunger to be with that, that young lady. You got to rid yourself of those thoughts because it all starts with a thought. It all starts with a seed. It all starts with that seed of thinking about her, thinking about her body, thinking about how she moves in bed, thinking about how she smells. Okay, so you got to starve your thought life. You got to deprive it of her altogether. And so God can work, deliver you and set you free. All right. Anger is another killer of man. And I dealt with anger. My dad was angry. So I became angry. I grew up in the projects, Bowling Park projects, Norfolk, Virginia, in the in the late 80s, early 90s. There was chaos, angst. All over the place. So I grew up angry. My father lived with me. My mother lived with me. I had both parents. But I was angry all the time. Most men struggle with anger. They are angry with their wives. They're angry with their bosses. They're angry even with their pastors. They're angry with their brothers. They're angry with their friends. They're angry with everybody. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And anger can destroy a man. Angry men never learn that all of life is exposure to imperfect people. Everybody can't be perfect all the time. Everybody's not going to say what you want to hear. Everybody's not going to pat you on your back all the time. Everybody's not going to move and operate the way that you think they should operate. God is God keeps sending imperfect people into the into the lives of angry men and they are angry about that this is this is this is something ordained by God see we even angry at God it is ordained that that imperfect people enter into our lives we got to learn how to control that anger because God is a perfect God God knows exactly what he's doing God loves us so much that he continues to send imperfect people into our lives so that he can help grow us, so that he can help us defeat that demon of anger, so that he can teach us some things, so that he can um, impart some things into us, so that he can um, continue to perfect us by sending imperfect people in, in our lives. And so they never learn um, how to love imperfect people. 
they always disappointed in somebody. They always in a, when we're angry all the time, we 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 find um, ourselves disappointed with everybody. We find something in in everybody to be disappointed about, other than ourselves. We should be disappointed with ourselves because we're always angry. You're the common denominator. You're the common factor. Everybody's not going to be perfect. Everybody's not going to do what we think that they should do all the time. Please you all the time. Say things that you want to hear all the time. You're going to be disappointed. Get over it. People are imperfect. Angry men are one way. They're perfectionists. Nobody's perfect. You aren't perfect. You made some mistakes. You get on people's nerves. You get under people's skin sometimes. You're imperfect. The only perfect one who ever lived was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The perfect one. Angry men demand perfection from others, but are oblivious to their own flaws. We are riddled with flaws. We were born in, we were born in sin. Shaped in, in, in iniquity. We are flawed people. They never understood that God sends these people to learn to them uh, for their sanctification. Like I said earlier, God sent the, the, these imperfect people into our lives in order to uh, sanctify us, in order to uh, purify us, in order to get that angry spirit out of us, in order to teach us some things, in order to perfect us. And not to stroke our egos. It has not occurred to them. That God sent these inadequate people. In order to teach them. What love is. We got to learn how to love imperfection. We got to learn how to love people that are imperfect. Because we are imperfect ourselves. We got to learn how to love them. We got to love. We got to learn how to show them the love of God. Regardless of how much they get on our nerves. No, regardless of how much we want to curse them out and throw drink, throw crazy objects at them, try to hit them, hurt them, uh, we got to learn how to love these people. Come on, we got to we got to grow. We got to mature. We got to mature in Christ. God is trying to grow us up because when we are weak, then He is strong. And being angry all the time and disappointed in people twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a week. 365 days a year, I'm sorry. That's a weakness. Angry men are clueless that God desires to magnify his grace and mercy through them. That's his desire. That's his desire. His desire is to magnify his grace and his mercy through men. Men put down this man killer. We can we can kill this man killer by remembering the way God would have us think of other people. Ephesians four and thirty one says, "Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you, 
with all malice. Okay? We also must pay attention and obey um, Romans 12 and 10. Where it says, be kindly affectionate to one another. With what kind, with what kind of love? Brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. We got to also remember the servant um, who was given much in Matthew 18, 23 through 35. You know, and, and it's crazy because after that servant was generously forgiven for the massive debt, which he owed to his master, he went straight out and started strangling his fellow servant over a minuscule debt. So, fellas, we, we don't want to let this be the story of our lives. We want to show mercy just as we have obtained the mercy of God. We want to show that same mercy that God has given us to those people who are imperfect. Who God sends into our lives to help strengthen us, to help build us up. All right. So. Um, moving right along. Feminism is another man killer that threatens to take men down. Feminism. Many men are feminists at heart. They have PMS. <laughs> Passive male syndrome. Alright, and so, um, ex ex except with men, PMS, it is not Isolated to just once, one time a month. Men, men, <laughs> we don't, we don't struggle from this thing like women do only once a month. They get their honesty by simply uh, growing up in a culture that is breathing feminist air. That's how we get there. That's how we get to PMS. Passive male syndrome. Because we're constantly breathing air. That has this, the, the culture. Of this feminist. Agenda. This feminist movement. Their, brain, their brains have been pickled. In feminist juices. Way too long. So long that they don't even know how deeply their thinking has been saturated. From the time of their birth, they have been steeped in feminism via the media and their pagan education. When you breathe feminist air, man, all your life, as most of us have, myself included, it is almost impossible to be a real, authentic man in this society. There are many symptoms. For example, men won't lead. Men won't teach. They won't exhort their wives. They are afraid of their daughters. Come on, somebody. Anybody know some men out there that are afraid of their daughters? Anybody know some men out there that won't exhort their wives? They won't lead at, to any, at any capacity? They won't teach? They are afraid of their daughters. It's crazy. 
They won't restrain their children. Meaning they won't discipline them. They won't teach their children how to honor them and how to honor their mother, how to how to uh, submit themselves to authority. They are not willing to die for anything. Come on. If you if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you got to how many know you got to you got to die for 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 the cause of Christ. You got to die for this. They think nothing is that important that you have to die for it. You got to die for this thing. All they want to do is say, hand me the remote control. Hand me the remote. Hand me the remote. What's on TV now? What? Okay, I, oh, I think power's on. I want to look at power. I want to look at whatever. No, no, no. We got to learn how to lead. We got to learn how to lead by example. Godly example. We got to teach kingdom principles to our children, our households. We got to exhort our wives. We got to do... The things that God is calling us to do. We can't be passive all the time. I, I struggle with, pass, with, with with being passive. It Me. Uh, being a person. A, a man in and of myself. I am a very passive. Aggressive type of individual. Just by nature. That's, that's, that's the way I grew up. That's the way I was wired. My father was very passive aggressive. I was Begin to be passive aggressive. Not anymore. <laughs> not any, not anymore. By the grace of God, God is working on me, and I'm still becoming. But I know how it feels to be a passive aggressive individual, and that is not what God um, desires me to be. That's not what He has called me to be. He called me to lead. He called me to 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 stand up and speak on. Um, issues um, that are social economic issues. He he taught me. He 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 wants me to become a person who takes a stand for something, just like he wants you to, to do. He wants you to take a stand. He wants you to speak up, speak out. He wants you. He wants to allow the priest that is in every man, the king that is every, in every man, to rise up and begin to 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 be. Um, the man of God that he has called them to be. To have dominion. That's what we're called to be, fellas. Alright? So. Men are not willing to die for anything. They think nothing is important. All they want to do is watch TV. All they want to do is be entertained. And while we're doing that. We're losing our families. We're losing a generation. But we can silence this man killer by rising up to uphold God's design for men and women. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3, it says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. Come on, we got to take our positions. We got to... Take our right, rightful positions, our rightful places in the earth, in, in, our, in our households, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. Remember that this condition is a sign of a culture in collapse. Isaiah 3 and 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water 
by the word of God that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or a wrinkle or anything that is of that or anything that it has a spot or wrinkle in it. He don't want anything. He doesn't want us to have a spot or a wrinkle. He doesn't want our lives to be uh, full of wrinkles and full of spots and full of schisms. But that she should be holy and without blemish. That's what God wants. He wants He wants a, a people that are holy, without blemish, that are without wrinkle, that are spotless. Ephesians 5, 25-27. Men, we have, to, we have to uphold the standard of God. Do your job regardless. Don't worry about what everybody's doing. Don't worry about whatever everybody else is doing. Don't worry about what the culture is, is doing. Don't worry about what the uh, voices, the, the, the voices of, of your peers are doing, what they're not doing. Don't worry about what they're doing. We have to hear the voice of God. Do your job regardless of what the culture has told you. Stop being ashamed of who you are and what you are. Stand up and act like men. Abdication. Abdication is another man killer. God has given men... And created men to play a role in this world that is easily abdicated. Easily handed off to some to someone else. Men have been given specific jobs. We got jobs to do. We have certain callings. We have certain um, missions that God has set us on. We have certain assignments. Men are appointed by God... To be the lover of their wives. And the teachers of their children. Nonetheless. They are disconnected from their wives. Because they are going in different directions. No. Agreement. We are disagreeing one with another. We may not say it all the time. But we're, we're not agreeing on a lot of the things that we do. And a lot of the things that we say. A lot of the decisions that we make. We're disconnected from our wives, going two totally, two totally separate destinations and directions. A lot of men live separate lives apart from their wives. They're in the house, and I've been guilty of this. I'm in the house, but I'm separate, all to myself. I'm, I'm thinking independently. I'm not sharing uh, my thoughts and my opinions and my. Uh, passions and the things um, that are important to me with my wife. I'm not asking her for her input. I'm not asking her for for what what God is speaking to her. I'm not I'm not connecting with her on any level. Because in the back of my mind, I'm the man. I'm going to make this decision. And if she don't like it, fine. She's just going to have to deal with it. No, that's not the will of God. That's not the way I want to be. That's not the way that God called me. That's not what that's not 
the will of God. That's not what God called me to be. That's not what he, how he called me to operate in my house. That's not the way he called you to, op- to operate in your marriage. We got to get on one accord. We got to get on one accord. We got to touch and agree. We got to agree with one another. So that God can get the glory. So that God can go ahead and move about our lives. And orchestrate our lives. So that God can bless us. He can't bless a mess. He can't bless division. He can't bless separation. He can't bless it. So they are not teaching their children. Because they are obsessed with their own pleasures. Our own pleasures are are usually what? What man? Technology, sports, or both. We are so immature at times. All we want to do is play video games. We want to play PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, whatever. Xbox, whatever. Nintendo. All we want to do is play um, DraftKings. And all we want to do is watch sports 24-7. We can't do these things if we call ourselves men. If we call ourselves leaders in our household. We have to be involved. We have to be we have to engage our wives. We have to, we have to challenge our wives. We have, we have to um, agree and have some type of uh, verbal dialogue with our wives. And that, and that is an area that I am working on. That is an area that God is helping me with and he's perfecting me in that area. Because that is a challenge for me. Because I, I don't know if anybody know anything about birth order, but I am the first, I am the oldest child in my family. And usually when you are the oldest child in your household or in your family, you tend to develop this mind of independence. Well, that independent mind does not work very well when you are in a covenant relationship and partnership with another person. You have to consult your wives. Praise God. We have to consult our wives. We have to ask them what they think about this. What do you think, honey, if we did this? What do you think would happen if we went this place? If we did this? If we spent money on this? We have to be on one accord. All right? They do not walk and talk and live alongside their children because their attention is always somewhere else. And that's a weapon that the enemy uses against the families and the people of God. Distraction. He wants to distract us. He wants to get our attention set on something else other than our families, other than our children and our wives and he wants to get us out of our position so that he can slide in there and become that placeholder and fill that area that has been unoccupied where the man should be. He wants to come in and he wants to influence your wife. He wants to influence your children. We can't, we can't have that in the kingdom of God. We can't have that because if the enemy continues to wreck our households then he can wreck our communities he can wreck our churches he can wreck everything so we don't want to do that we want to become the men of God that God has called us to be amen 
We want to stand, take a stand. We want to do what God requires of us so that we can build strong families. All right, it all starts at home first. But the family structure is falling apart because there aren't enough men that say, hey, I'm going to take my place. I'm going to begin to to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to begin to teach my children. I'm going to begin to exhort my wife. I'm going to begin to do the things that God requires. That world out there, outside the the families of, of men, is bigger and more important to 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 the men um, of this society. More so, more important than their households. More important than um, their wives and their relationships with their wives and their children. So they ab- abdicate the primary for the secondary. They can get away with this one for their whole lifetime. And no one will confront them about it. But time out, it's time out for that. We have to hold each other accountable. We've been doing this the same way for too long and getting no result. We've been doing this way too long. And sometimes, if not all the time, we receive negative results. We can't continue to do the same thing. Expecting a different outcome. It's time to wake up. It's time to take our places. It's time to take a stance. It's time to stand on the word of God. It's time to get back in prayer. It's time to call our families and lead our families in prayer. It's time to continue to, to, to begin to seek the face of God. So that the windows of heaven can begin to fling open. And the blessings of God will begin to overtake us. Because God will begin to honor us. As we honor our families, as we honor our wives, as we honor our children. Time out for that. Time out for being distracted. Time out for falling for the tricks, the same old tricks and the same old schemes and plots of the enemy. Time out for that. And the church has been silent for way too long. The church won't say a thing about these men that are not taking their rightful places in their communities, in their households. We need to learn how to speak up because we're, lose, we're losing generations. Even our friends give us passes. It's time out for that. No more passes. No more being passive. Men, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, my brother. I'm talking to you that's listening right now. It's time out for foolishness. It's time out. We have to become men. We mustn't stay little boys. And you will be surprised at how this world and this culture will begin to take a a turn for the better. Because God is going to be Glorified. God is going to be pleased with how every man is now conducting what God would love to see in the households of men. 
We got to do the will of God. So abdication is different from the other four man killers. Because the, the first three will eventually grab him by the neck and throw him to the ground and destroy him. Abdication and even feminism, on the other hand, will not be so obvious. These are the most socially acceptable man killers. We accept these man killers. We, 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 we accept feminism. We accept abdication. It's subtle. It's a subtle killer. However, as it turns out, while, while they may seem unscathed, it will result with their wives and their children being grabbed by the neck and thrown to the ground. So it doesn't attack us directly, but it's even worse because now it grabs hold, hold, hold of our children and our wives and it begins to destroy them. We can nuke and destroy this man killer by recovering and establishing our role in the world. Rise up as the shepherd and teacher of your wife and children, according to Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 34 and uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Scripture is very clear about the terrifying implications of not leading and guarding your own home. How can you guard and lead the church of God if you can't guard and lead your own household? Remember God's uh, words to Elijah or Eli, I'm sorry, the, uh, the unfaithful father. God said to this man, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity of which he knows. He's going to judge our houses people. He's going to judge our houses. He's the same God yesterday, today and forever. He changed not. He's going to judge our households. For the iniquity that's in them. It's time to get our houses in order. It's time to get our households in order. Because his sons. Made themselves vow. Talking about the sons of Eli. And he did not restrain them. <laughs> that's, that's, that's ill. So God is saying. He's going to judge. Us. If our children are vile and wicked. He's going to judge us. If we don't restrain them. If we don't discipline them. Then now he has to discipline us. God also says in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. So now we got we to gotta decree and declare death to all of the man killers in our lives. Death to all of the man killers that are seeking to destroy and overthrow and topple entire households. These five man killers are always lurking at the door of every man's heart. Every man's heart. Every man's heart. Whether you are inside of the church or outside of the church. Whether you love God or you don't love God. 
These five man killers, fellas, are lurking at the door of every man's heart. All right, we got to go. We are about to close out, but I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Um, and stay tuned um, for future episodes. Uh, continue to um, press that button on your screen that says support this podcast. We are available here and wherever you get your podcast. The Sons and Servants podcast show is in full swing. I love y'all, man. Y'all continue to be strong and continue to lead your household as God would have you to. All right, y'all. Peace.